Welcome to EASO Podcasts. Hello, everybody. My name is Ramon Andrade de Mello, and I'm a consultant medical oncologist and clinical professor at the University 9 of July here in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And today, I'm very honored to be here to discuss with you one more ESO podcast with Dr. Thais Perez Vasquez. She's consultant breast surgeon from uh, Hospital Alemão Oswaldo Cruz in Sao Paulo and also uh, at Cancer Institute of Sao Paulo from the University of Sao Paulo, Brazil. Today we are going to debate how to approach the breast cancer patient who had not received uh, new adjuvant chemotherapy staged with uh, clinically uh, T2, N0, and in the postoperative setting. So we are going to, to start uh, asking some questions to Dr. Thais Pérez Vasquez. Um, Thais, what are the key factors to consider when you are going to discuss uh, perioperatively chemotherapy? The most important factors are age of patients, patients uh, less than 45 years uh, are considered high risk patients, uh, tumor size between two and five uh, centimeters, include 5.0 centimeters, uh, states of nodules, lymph nodule states, uh, positive lymph nodes are factors to consider the high risk patients. Menopause status, it's so important to discuss uh, because we have some uh, uh, extents that we have to use uh, suppression ovarian to to increase the overall survival and reduce the disease-free survival. Uh, clinical status and the comorbidities in, the, in our patients, patients with have uh, ECOG zero or well, it's best to use the chemotherapy. Right risk factors like Jenny BRCA mutation, it's so important to predict the use of specific medications like Olaparib uh, and biological profile, uh, like luminal and HER2 positive uh, disease, troop negative disease. Uh, we can remember that ER hormone positive disease uh, has been more strategically defined as greater than equal to 1% by the American Society of Clinical Oncology Guidelines. And the UK predicted addition uh, risk benefits is so important to use. Predictions, it's online tool that helps patients and clinicians see how different treatments for early invasive breast cancer might improve survival rates after surgery. It's the most important key factors to consider for our patients. Yes, that's really, really, really nice. Uh, and when we have a, a kind of patient like this uh, in our setting, so uh, you, you fought to me uh, um, a 42, pa uh, 42 years old patient. Um, luminal uh, profile breast cancer T2N0 and you decided to to operate this patient uh, without new adjuvant chemo so 
I, I normally go to, in my clinics to, to use the UK NHS predict uh, model that was developed by the University of Cambridge and other partners. That uh, it's an online tool that you can uh, include all these uh, all these uh, characteristics and risk factors that uh, you Ryland mentioned here, and that we have additional benefit uh, in terms uh, of of, uh, for, of an adjuvant treatment like chemotherapy and an hormonal therapy and also you can predict the overall survival of these patients uh, in, in 5, 10 and 15 years. Uh, when we when we have a talking about chemotherapy that is the, the main topic of the current podcast, uh, when we have an additional benefit in terms of chemotherapy between 0 and 3%, we absolutely do not indicate uh, adjuvant chemotherapy to these patients and uh, probably this patient, if it is a luminal uh, profile patient, will go forward with adjuvant hormonal therapy that we can discuss later. But if we have, um, if we have um, uh, um, an additional benefit of chemo uh, between 3 and 5%, uh, so this is a gray area and uh, it's very important uh, maybe if you have access in your center to use some, uh, some genetic profile tests. We have a lot of this kind of tests. So we have uh, oncotype DX, we have mama print, we have endopredict. Uh, and, and then uh, you decide to use what fits better to your patient according to its characteristics, he or she, he or she characteristics. characteristics. Uh, and you have uh, an absolute benefit more than 5%. So uh, this patient is strictly forward to, to, to adjuvant chemotherapy and you have to discuss with your patient the, adv uh, the advantages and risk benefits, side effects, and, and also see regarding the comorbidities, what kind of chemo you can uh, propose to this patient. But Thais, um, can you talk a little bit more about uh, genetic profile tests like uh, Oncotype DX, for example? Okay. Would you use Oncotype DX or not? Yes, yes. We, we use the Oncotype DX uh, because the latest uh, 2022 NCCN recommendation is the gold standard. Uh, for patients with uh, re hormone receptor and HER2 negative, it is strongly considered oncotype DX. Uh, for patients that with postmenopause recurrence score uh, less than 26, uh, we can use uh, only advent endocrine therapy, which is the gold standard. Uh, and <clears throat> if recurrence score is greater than 26, uh, including 26, we we, we prefer uh, advent chemotherapy uh, plus endocrine therapy. Uh, for patients with premenopause, our recurrence score is so different. We can use uh, others, others cutoffs. Uh, for this perfect of patients, recurrence score uh, latest uh, 15. We prefer use endocrine therapy by ovarian suppression because soft and the tested trials, the most important with the studies about this, um, this topic, uh, show us that uh, the, the increase of overall survival is 1.8% in 80 years of a follow up. And the disease in the disease for survival, we can increase 
these terms in about three and three percent when we use the suppression ovarium associated with the endocrine therapy. And the, recur the recurrence score greater than 26, we prefer in premenopausal patients advent chemotherapy followed therapy endocrine. And uh, uh, it's not the table uh, that advent chemotherapy is mandatory with these patients. Uh, our problem with oncotype uh, is for patients with re recurrence score between uh, 16 and 25, because the, the additional benefits of uh, overall survival was associated with a lower rate of distant recurrence compared with the therapy endocrine monotherapy, but it's unclear if this benefit was due to the ovarian suppression effects by promoted by the chemotherapy. And our we prefer to use the chemotherapy about uh, the benefit, but it's unclear these benefits about um, ovarian suppression or uh, overall benefits associated. Yeah, that's great, great talk, Thais, the great talk. So yeah, in luminal breast cancer, normally uh, mm -hmm. in premenopausal patients, uh, ovarian suppression, as you right and said, yeah, we can uh, have a, a good um, uh, result in terms of outcome when associated with aromatad inhibitors. Personally, I prefer to use an astrozole uh, in a juvenile setting, and I I prefer to 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 let letrozole or exemestan for a possible progression metastatic setting, especially because we have some trials uh, uh, with letrozole and exemestan associated with CDK uh, CDK inhibitors uh, in metastatic setting. So maybe uh, it's a, it's a personal. Um, a personal choice of our service to 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 choose that. Uh, regarding breast cancer, R2 positive, um, we have a we have a, a scenario with um, with tumors that have uh, more than two centimeters and tumors that have less than two centimeters, especially and also that other tumors that have uh, uh, axillary involvement that we call N plus. Uh, patients with tumor uh, more than two centimeters, they uh, normally we go through the affinity study. Uh, we, we do a chemotherapy with uh, a dual blockade, R2 blockade with uh, trastuzumab and pertuzumab. Being attention if uh, we have a patients um, <coughs> that, that, that we can that we can discalonate. Uh, <coughs> that can discalonate uh, uh, pertuzumab with that patients that are less than three centimeters and zero, uh, based on APT trial that, uh, that demonstrated no inferiority with the dual blockade. Uh, in tumor less than two centimeters, uh, so we prefer to use uh, monoblockade with trastuzumab, so we do. Uh, map one year in a juvenile set based on our study. Uh, and also, uh, we, we can choose the, the best combination in a juvenile setting. Uh, for example, uh, uh, 
uh, AC with Taxol and, and the R2 blockade or Taxoter uh, or TC, that is Taxoter and Cicophosphamide, depending on the patient comorbidities, uh, because uh, we, we have some toxicities like, uh, like uh, heart failure, like uh, any other kind of toxicity that this combination may have some influence in the patient tolerance in the different setting. And the, the, the other, um, uh, in the other setting is the triple negative patients that uh, we have some studies uh, <clears throat> showing capcitabine in a different setting that, that, can be, that can be useful in some high risk patients. In another, <clears throat> another setting that we, find, we are going finally to discuss is the postmenopausal patients. So in terms of uh, luminal disease, we have uh, indicates, uh, indication to, to go ahead with aromatase inhibitors. As I said, uh, probably I start to anastrozole and let nestrozole and let letrozole uh, or exemestan for a possible progression or if the patient has uh, intolerability to anastrozole, we can make the switch to exemestan. Uh, some side effects could be involved in anastrozole, like uh, arthralgias, uh, bone mass loss, and so doctors should be aware to control and manage this kind of side effects. Uh, and in, in triple negative patients, we have uh, <clears throat> uh, again, again, uh, of course, we, we discussed about capcitabine adjuvant that. Uh, that is based on ECOG acrine e, EA1131 to IO, showing uh, adjuvant great benefits uh, in, in this type of, of patients. And uh, we have also uh, immunotherapy in new adjuvant setting. We have a keynote uh, today. It's a new new new, new practice. That is, uh, we have keynote um, 522 that uh, studied the whole of pembrolizumab plus new adjuvant chemotherapy follow surgery and, and then adjuvant pembrolizumab, which is a new standard of care in this type of patients, um, especially because triple negative is a, it is a, subset, is a subset of disease that uh, have more aggressivity and have a high chance uh, of recurrence um, based in, in other studies. And Thais, uh, do you have uh, further uh, consideration in postmenopausal setting, like uh, bifosphonate, for example? What do you think about using bifosphonate? Uh, we can consider advent bifosphonate therapy for risk reduction of distance metastatic for three or five years in postmenopausal patients, uh, especially in patients with high risk uh, node negative or node positive tumors. Uh, we have some uh, important uh, trials that uh, show this benefit, like solidronic acid, which for six, mo uh, six months uh, in the big one, zero, zero four trial, and they improve survival in the studies uh, like uh, SC0307. And this is the latest recommendation right. of the NCCN2. 
All right, Thais, Dr. Vasquez. Uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, it was a great, great talk. I think uh, it was a pleasure to be here today in this more in more one ESO podcast um, to to discuss how to approach uh, the breast cancer patient who had not received new adjuvant chemotherapy in stage T20. Uh, T2N0 post-operatively. I think uh, the discussion was fantastic. And then uh, you that are listening us on the other side, please leave your comments, leave your suggestions. Be, be happy to send us email if you have any further queries and we are happy to, to help you in, in your clinical practice or in, or in your studies. So one more time, thank you very much for the invitation to ESO. Uh, thank you, Thais Vasquez, Dr. Thais Vasquez from the University of Sao Paulo, Brazil, to be here. And we hope to see you soon in a, one more new podcast in ESO. Thank you. Thank you, doctor. Thanks for listening and see you soon on the EASO website.